On this episode, I'll be discussing knowing when to change your stylus. Will the hype of live streaming die after the lockdown is over? Is it time for a new Saturday Super Session? Keeping your sets fresh and not be repetitive if you play two or three times a week? And a lot more. Time to share the knowledge. Let's go. DJing is my passion, and for the last 27 years, I've been playing clubs, festivals, and corporate events. I've produced songs for artists, organized events, hosted radio and TV shows, and I've been the tour DJ for platinum-selling artists for more than 21 years. I'm taking everything I've learned, and I'm sharing it to help you become a better DJ. I'm DJ TLM, and this is the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs. Welcome to the Share the Knowledge Podcast, Quarantine Season, Episode 2. I'm your host, DJ TLM, and let me just start by sending a shout-out to you. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the STK fam, and if you're a day-one follower of the podcast, welcome back, and thanks for the support. This podcast is all about helping you become a better DJ, and I'm here to answer your questions. So if you want to ask a question for a future episode, send your email to sharetheknowledge at djtlm.com and be on the lookout on Instagram because I'll launch a topic there as well. And you can just leave your questions in the comment section of that post. Now, if you're looking for DJ tutorials, product reviews, video clips of the podcast, and other educational DJ content, tune in to DJ TLM TV on YouTube, and make sure you subscribe to the channel and activate the notifications so you don't miss out on any of my new content. As always, feel free to share this podcast or any of my other content anywhere. And if you have the option, please rate the episode and leave a comment. Now, let's get into the questions. This is the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs. So this question from Instagram is all about live streaming, and you've probably seen a lot of DJs doing live streams. Maybe you've been doing live streams as well. The lockdown has us all at home, and this is one of the best ways that you can still get yourself out there. Now, the question is, will the hype of virtual DJ sessions die after COVID? Now, we're talking live streams. Will this elevate more bedroom DJs and make the competition a more even playing field? So it's interesting. I think live streaming is a great way, a great tool, like I said, to get yourself out there, to stay sharp because you're performing live even though you don't have the audience in front of you. And I believe live streaming is something that is here to stay. Now, it's not new. DJs were doing this before the lockdown. I used to do live streams. I will be doing live streams again as well. I was doing that years ago. I know plenty of DJs who did it, but now it's the best and only real outlet we have. And a lot of DJs have now discovered it, tried it for the first time. And you can just tell if you look online, if you're looking for equipment needed for live streaming, let's say a capture card, a video capture card to capture your live stream, stuff like that, iRigs, all of it is sold out or hard to get. So a lot of DJs are doing this right now. I think after this pandemic is over and we all get out of this lockdown, live streaming will continue to be something that a lot of DJs will use. Now, I'm pretty sure that most DJs that have a lot of gigs, once they get back to doing more gigs, they won't live stream as much, but they might still add it and do it every once in a while. But a lot of other DJs will continue to use the live stream format, even when the pandemic is over. The cool thing is it allows you to DJ for people even when you don't have any bookings. And of course, it might only be one or two people. That's not important at first, but at least you have the option to do that. I also think that the audience 
is actually getting used to live streams and seeing this as an alternative means to consume music. So instead of playing music on Spotify or Apple Music, they can also tune into plenty of live streams. And of course, a live stream will actually give you a DJ mixing songs. So it's gonna be a little bit different than just playing songs on Spotify. Now for some, it's not something they're into. They just wanna hear exactly the songs they wanna hear. They want that jukebox format, so they'll use one of the normal streaming platforms. They'll go to Apple Music, play their own playlist, and be perfectly happy that way. But I can see a lot of people using live streams just as music that they play at home. So it's not gonna be about the visual that much. They won't be looking at the screen to see you DJ the entire time. But if they find you and they like your style of music, they like your mixing, your selection, it's very plausible that they'll subscribe to you check you out and whenever you have a live stream they'll just have that playing in the background and listen to your mix the same way you can go online now and listen to mixes they're going to do that as well i think that is going to happen i've also noticed that a lot of djs have found that live streaming gives them more freedom and they're experimenting a lot more so in their normal club sets they might not play the songs that they're playing during the live stream because I think it's because of the lack of fear of losing your audience, even though you can lose your audience in a live stream as well, because people tune in and if they're not interested in what they see or hear, they'll log out again, they'll, they'll just leave the stream. But if you're playing in a club and you see your dance floor getting empty, that's like a big no-no. So you're basically trapped in a situation where you have to make sure you're pleasing the crowd. And a lot of times in clubs, that can lead to playing a select group of songs. There's still a lot of music you can't play, but you're gonna be bound to playing more of the popular mu music to keep them there. During a live stream, even if they're watching, they're not in front of you. You don't see that dance floor. I can tell that a lot of DJs feel that freedom and that's actually uplifting. It's a great feeling. You can, you can just tell. I know I have turned down plenty of gigs in the last years because I was not interested in that type of gig because I knew what was going to be expected of me. And I just feel I don't have the energy for that anymore. I want to do gigs where I can actually play what I want to play. So that leaves less gigs, but live streaming is one of those outlets that will allow you to do exactly what you want to do and possibly, hopefully over time, you can actually build a fan base that is into the style that you're playing on your live streams, which may then lead to bookings as well. But no, I think live streams are here to stay. Is it gonna even the playing field for all DJs and bedroom DJs? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, yes, everyone now has the opportunity to just get their stream out there, but it's still gonna be difficult to find an audience. If you're currently a bedroom DJ and you haven't played out yet, you have no followers when it comes to like an audience that knows you from clubs or your mixes online, whatever, it's not really likely that all of a sudden they're gonna watch your live stream. That doesn't mean that you can't start to build a fan base by doing live streams, actually promoting them to the right audience, either 
through paid advertising or doing a lot of research, searching for the hashtags of artists that you play in your sets, finding the people online who like those artists and actually plug that live stream to all of those people, it is possible to build an audience. But it's not as if all of a sudden you're on the same level as DJs with a following because there's plenty of DJs out there right now who have a following, a following that they built over years from doing shows, from having mixes online. And those people already know that DJ. So that DJ can now just post online, hey, live streaming this Friday from two to four, they're gonna have people tuning in because they already had an audience. So yes, bedroom DJs can also come out and play on the same platform as known DJs but it doesn't mean that you're starting from that same point. You're still going to have to build and basically just start from the beginning. But I think it's here to stay. I think it's a good thing. And it allows you to practice playing in front of people in a way. So if you haven't played in clubs yet, the live stream does bring you to a next level because now you're playing and even though the people aren't there if you have a screen here and you can see the comments then you're going to be aware of the fact that people are watching you while you play that adds a little bit of extra stress it is tricky and that's why i tell everyone who wants to start live streaming do it now and don't worry about the people yet because you're going to have to get used to live streaming you're going to have to get used to how you want to record it to get the video right, to get the audio right. Audio is more important, by the way. Um, to understand that you're playing for people even though you're not seeing them. So to try to play that way. Now, reading the crowd is something you can't really do. The only thing you can do is watch comments. But it is a different feeling. So if you are already used to playing in front of people, now you start live streaming, you're going to see that there's a lack of energy because you're not getting your oohs and ahs that you normally get when you play for people. You can't see hands going up. So that's a different feel. I remember doing radio uh, appearances in the beginning, like I would do a guest spot on a radio show uh, and do a set. And you come in with your records and you're used to playing in the club and all of a sudden you're there in a little studio behind a set, no audience, but you still have to play as if you're playing for an audience. But when you throw the new track in, there's no reaction because the people are at home listening. And I remember that was a weird feeling to me. I had to get used to that. Like just imagine that they actually react because they're not there to react to you. Um, same thing with live streaming. The only difference is now you can actually see comments. So whenever I live stream, I make sure I have some sort of screen or just a second phone right there so I can A, check if the stream is still on and B, I can check the reactions and that's a good thing. That is a way to interact with people as well. But back to the beginning, yes, I believe there's a future for it. Some DJs will do it every once in a while. Some will make it a standard thing. Um, and we'll see where this goes. It's it's a beginning stage right now. I see people experimenting with doing pay-per-view live streams now as well, turning it more into a business. I see bigger DJs doing like big live streams with sponsors and guest DJs, um, taking advantage of the technical abilities that we have right now. There's a lot that you actually can do. So it's cool to see, and we'll see where this goes. SDK all day, baby. Share the knowledge.
Let's go. So taking it to an entirely different subject, and that is needles or the stylus. And the question was, when do you know when to change your stylus or when control vinyl is worn out? I'm probably one of the worst DJs to ask that question because I know for a fact that I was always late changing needles and changing vinyl, meaning that my vinyl was definitely already worn out and my needles were definitely already beyond the point that you should have them before I changed them. So I'm not really sure. With needles, with the stylus, you can normally see by looking at the tip if it's still in good condition. I don't know if it's that way with uh, every type of needle, but I know that a lot of them have a tip that either has a certain color or there's just a little um, a little point on it that wears down. So after a while, the color disappears or the shape changes. And you can tell by looking at a new, new one and a used one that the used one is just more used. And my used needles were just like I was all the way through that layer. And a lot of times I would end up like breaking my needle or there was just nothing left on the stylus. And uh, you could tell because you'd put it on the vinyl and it would just go straight to the middle, no grip at all anymore. Uh, with control vinyl, the same thing. Most of the times I could just tell by looking at it, like, okay, this is pretty worn out. I need to change it. But when it comes to control vinyl, if you calibrate, you can actually see how clean the signal is that your DJ software is receiving. So if your vinyl is clean and in good condition and your needles are okay as well, you should be receiving nice round circles that really look like circles. And I remember a lot of times with my signal, I would have the circle, but it would not be a clear line. You could tell that there were like all sorts of spots and it wasn't just like a sharp line anymore. That means the signal isn't coming through as clear anymore. And that could be either the stylus or the vinyl. And in my case, most likely it was both. This is the Share the Knowledge podcast for DJs. Quick note when it comes to some of the things I normally do, and this is the Saturday Super Session. I received a question and I received similar questions every couple of weeks. Are you doing a new Saturday Super Session? Yes, I am. And it's going to be a while. So I'll be doing a couple of normal Saturday session videos in the coming weeks and months, but I'll probably do a new Saturday super session uh, in a month or three. Yes, that's a very long time, but I currently have a lot of different things going on and I do not want to add the work that goes into making the super session and add that workload to what I already have now, because it's a great project for me to do. I love doing it, but it does come down to me having to edit a compilation video of 20, 30, 40, 60 DJs. Uh, that takes up a lot of time. I want to do it right. And like I said, I have projects going on now that I know are going to take up the next couple of months. So I want to make sure I get that done before I go back to Saturday Super Sessions. But the normal Saturday sessions are coming very soon. SDK all day, baby. Share the knowledge.
Let's go. All right, let's talk about trance and EDM right now. So this is a longer question. Let me get straight into it. As an aspiring trance DJ, I've been wanting to find trance gigs around my area. Unfortunately, my area doesn't have a strong presence for trance music or EDM altogether. In order to practice my DJing, I've been doing some on-campus gigs at my college. I've been able to branch out my song selection to multiple genres because of this, and I'm thankful for that. But I ultimately want to become a club trans DJ because that music speaks to me most. How can I put myself in a position to start working towards that goal? Thank you for listening to my question, and I look forward to hearing the podcast later. So hopefully you're listening to the podcast right now. That would be very cool. Look, if there's nothing going on in your area, because there's not a lot of people who are into that music, you need to start that yourself. So find a very small venue and start your own trance party there. Invite everyone you know who's into the music and maybe some people who don't really know it but are willing to give it a shot. Get them in there. So find a very small like a bar or just a small venue that doesn't fit a lot of people. You want to make sure it is small because you want to fill it up easily. Now, get those people in there. Have fun. Just have a lot of fun and don't do it once. You have to continue to do this. This allows you to basically build your own hype, brand, and following. If the people who came like it, hopefully they'll try to invite more people. And if everything goes well, you might be able to have that place packed every month or however often you can do it. And that can create a buzz and you might be actually starting a scene in your area if it's not there already. But beyond that, you're creating a fan base. Plus, you get the chance to actually play the music you want to play. That's always a great feeling. You get to practice. That's always a good thing. I understand that you actually took on multiple genres to do different gigs. So that's cool if you can do that. But to create the thing you want that path you want to follow to become a trans DJ, you have to just start that yourself. Create your own small events. Next to that, taking it back to the first topic of the podcast, live streams. Start your own live stream where you can showcase your trans style and only play trans music. Play the way you want to play, and that is an extra outlet. It might be something that allows you to build a fan base in different areas. And of course, you have to promote that live stream. Search online, find the people who like your style of music, try to get them to the live stream. But this allows you to build a fan base as well. If there's people that watch the live stream that are from your area, you might be able to get them to come to your event and build from there. So that's what you need to do. You have to take matters into your own hand because if there's nothing really happening in your area when it comes to your style of music, you have no shot at all if you're gonna wait around for someone to hopefully one day start something and they can book you. That's not the way to go. You have to take that first step and just try to build it yourself. And keep in mind, this is very important, this will not happen fast. It's not as if you're gonna book a bar, do that party two times, and all of a sudden people start to book you. That's not how it works, and that's not what it's about. You really wanna take that time and build. Build that fan base, uh, create that hype, build that brand.
And even if it doesn't become bigger in your area, it is still something you will have on your resume. Let's say you did that for a year. You have on your resume that you were the resident at whatever the party's called, and that could possibly help you out as well. And you had a lot of fun. This is the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs. So this question is all about keeping your sets fresh and try not to become repetitive when you have a lot of resident gigs, or at least you play a lot of gigs every week. So the question is, how do you keep your sets fresh and not repetitive? If you play twice or three times a week, I sometimes feel like I keep playing the same songs, etc. How do you keep yourself from doing that? All right. I know a lot of DJs and I've seen and heard a lot of DJs who fall into this trap And I think for a lot of DJs who play regular in the same spots, it's something that is inevitable to happen to a certain degree. Because let's be honest, you're playing for people. If you're playing in certain spots where certain people come, they will like certain styles of music. Or it might be that the place where you play at has a theme. So you're supposed to play maybe one, two, three styles of music. Whatever the case may be, most likely if you're playing in those same spots, you're playing for the same people and you play a certain style when you play there. So when you play that style, within that style, you'll have the popular songs, the songs that quote unquote work for that audience. So those songs will most likely come back anytime you play there. Now, if you're playing two, three times a week, yes, At a certain point, it starts to feel like, damn, am I playing this song again? I remember at a certain point when I was doing a lot of double bookings, basically playing two times in one night, come from one gig, get over to a different city, do the next gig. At a certain point, I was going through tracks and I couldn't remember if I played it at this party or the last party because I'd see the title and I'd be like, wait, did I play that already? Or did I play that at the last party? Or even if I played the day before, or I played like three days in a row, and at the third day, you, you, you get confused at a certain point, like, wait a minute, did I play this already? Because you know you play it a lot, and you played it at the parties before, but now you don't even know if you played it that day. I know it's easy to fall into that trap. Now, the first thing you want to do is make sure you have enough music and there's so much music out there i feel that djs do underestimate that and tend to stick to a very small list of tracks and i know they'll have the tracks there that are gonna work but there are more tracks that will work for that same audience if you dig a little deeper and i feel a lot of djs don't want to do that now if you start to feel that it's not fresh anymore then you have to make sure you start to dig a little bit deeper, find more tracks that will fit into that same lane that you're in that will also work for that crowd and have them on hand. Next to that, look for maybe remix versions of the songs you normally play so you can give it a little twist. Or if you play a certain song that you have a couple of routines that you can use for a couple of those songs. So for instance, maybe you have a track that has a sample and you also have that original. At one party, you'll just play that normal version. At the other party, you'll play it, but you start with the original, take that out and then bring it in. You're still playing the same song, but now you deliver it in a different fashion, which keeps it fresh for you. 
Look, the audience doesn't really care that much. That's the sad part, basically, because they're not there for your mixing skills and whatever. They want to hear the songs they want to hear. And we've probably all seen this happen when you have two or three DJs on one night playing the same song. And sometimes you'll have a crowd in there that even at the third time still gives you a reaction like they like it. And you're there like, really? How? It's already been played, but they don't mind, especially if they have a couple of drinks in them. They're perfectly fine with that. So it's not the crowd that's going to be bothered that fast. It's going to be you. It's your personal feeling. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, so the trick is to find ways to keep it fresh for you without having to change it up too much for your audience. Now, of course, like I said, finding different songs to play alongside the songs you normally play, that's always a good thing. And... There's so much music out there. I remember playing so many gigs where we rocked that party like all night. And at the end of the night, I was like, oh, man, I didn't even play this tune, that tune, that tune, that tune. Meaning that there was so much more that I could have played. And we were banging them out pretty fast already. So, but like I said, uh, playing music, we used to bring like three, four crates. And I would play a lot with another DJ. So we would have like seven to eight crates of music there. So that's plenty of tracks so we could always go in different directions and go off that crowd as well. Sometimes if I feel like, hey, this crowd can take a little bit more, I might test them and throw in something that I wouldn't normally play there. Something maybe a lot older or something just totally left field outside of the box and see what it does. But you have to find ways to keep that fresh for you. SDK all day, baby. Share the knowledge. Let's go. All right, let's get back into this. Uh, this is a long question. I've been a DJ for almost 10 years now, and I've done weddings and parties, so I have the experience. Never did clubs because I didn't pursue that. I can't seem to get what I think I'm worth. For weddings, I ask for 1200 and I always get the runaround. In the last few years, I had to drop to 500 just so I could get the gigs. So I'm not sure if I should be doing that or not. DJing is not my full-time job, and I don't mind making money on the side, but I don't like making money on the side. It just seems like you are the greatest DJ until you offer your price. So what weapons should I have in my arsenal to be able to get what I feel I deserve and not break on the price? I hope you get a chance to read this. Well, I definitely read this, and I already gave a short reply, but I'm doing a longer one right here. What I told in my reply is that the market decides. Now, you don't have to agree with that or go along with that, but that's just what it is. If people aren't willing to pay you that, they're not willing to pay you that. Now, it might be that you're talking to a lot of people who are kind of cheap. They just don't want to pay a lot for music or for a DJ. And I've seen that happen plenty of times. It's time to organize an event. They'll take care of everything. They'll get the venue, the catering, you name it. And at the end of the day, it's like, oh yeah, we also need music. And then they have like a little bit of budget left to spend on an artist, a DJ, uh, a host, whatever it is they need. Yes, you have to decide your own worth. And if that means that you can take less gigs, fewer gigs, that is one of the options. You have to decide how much lower you can go before it starts to really just dig into your belief. So I can have a certain worth. 
I feel I should be getting paid this amount for an hour or for a two hour set. Now, if I have 10, 20, 30 calls or interactions with people who want to book me, and it's pretty clear that for all of them, their budget is way below that, then either I'm talking to the wrong people or in my case, that's currently the price that a lot of these parties where I used to play at or similar to the parties that I play at are paying DJs. That is what it is. And you shouldn't even try to change their minds. If it's pretty obvious that they're not gonna come anywhere near what you're asking for, then that's just not gonna happen. Now there's always room for negotiation. It is business. So they're always gonna try and lowball, and you should always make sure that you start high because that's just a fact. I've had that happen a million times. You get a booking request, then you send them a price, then they'll give you a totally way too low amount. Like, hey, this is all we have. Then you just send the reply back like, no, nah, that's definitely not gonna happen. The only thing I can do is, and then I'll give them a slightly lower price. And all of a sudden they did find the money and now they can pay me that price. I've seen that happen so many times. So that's just normal, not just for DJs, for anything. The, the one buying will have a certain amount that they wanna spend and they'll start lower and the person selling has something they want to have for that a certain amount and they'll start high so that gives you room to negotiate but if you're asking for 12 and you have to lower all the way to five to get gigs that's way too much so either your price is too high for the market you're in and i have no idea when it comes to weddings and i can imagine that it's going to be different in different areas cities countries you name it so i don't know i can't really speak on that maybe you could do the research to find out okay what's the going rate when it comes to wedding djs a lot of djs will probably have either information on the company site or you can just uh, ask for a quote and you can just do a fake quote and tell them that you have a wedding and you want a DJ. Find out what they're charging. If it's the case that most of those companies are just charging way less than your 1200 then you are charging too much for that market. And either you have to offer them something so special that you can prove your worth and that it's much higher than all the other companies, uh, or your price is just too high and you would have to lower that price. So that's just the thing we have to deal with. We have our own worth, our sense of worth, and then you have the market. And I've seen that happen as well, where I had a certain price and a promoter was not willing to pay that price. But I was working for a booking agency at the time. They ended up booking a DJ duo from that same booking agency that cost twice the amount I was charging. So they were definitely willing to pay that amount of money, but not for me. Now, that other DJ duo at that time had videos out because they were releasing songs with artists. So they had way more fame and that made them way more valuable and they were worth more. They could charge that price and get it paid easily. So that all comes back to the worth for them. I could have my self-worth knowing I'm this good, I've practiced this long, I've invested this much, but that doesn't always translate to what someone is willing to pay for it. Now, it's still up to you to decide how much lower you wanna lower your price. 
And it still has to make sense. I've seen promoters come through with numbers and I'd have to tell them to their face, like, dude, if I accept this offer, it's costing me money. That's not going to happen. So that's up to you. I know I declined plenty of offers because they were just too low, meaning I couldn't do the gigs. So at the end of the day, I was doing less gigs than I wanted to, but I was definitely not willing to accept uh, gigs that were basically costing me money. That's not what I'm in it for. Uh, so in your case, you actually do this as a side hustle. You already have your other job. Uh, you have to decide. You have to decide if it's still worth it at that 500 point. And if not, maybe you can find some middle ground and just tell yourself like, okay, I have a minimum for myself. 12 is what I really want, but I'm willing to go down to whatever, 850 or eight and use that. Start high, you have some room to negotiate, uh, but stick to your guns when it comes to a certain amount. You have to decide what your lowest price is and um, work with that in the market that you're in. And the other things you can do, of course, is add more value to your name by being more out there in whatever way works for wedding DJs. I'm not familiar with that. I guess word of mouth always works well. If you have a lot of satisfied clients, they will refer other clients to you. Um, but I'm not sure how a lot of wedding DJs do their promo to actually prove their worth, besides from actually just doing a lot of good work. So that's research you'll have to do. And that's all I can really say about this. This was the Share the Knowledge Podcast for DJs, Quarantine Season, Episode 2. I want to thank you for joining me today, and I hope this episode brought you value. If it did, feel free to share the episode, and if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave me a rating. If you have a question, I'll be more than happy to answer it here in the podcast, so hit me up on sharetheknowledge at djtlm.com. Check out djtlm.com for all my info, merch, and links to my online content. I'll be back soon. Thanks for listening.